Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Well, I am thrilled to welcome Dr. Cook to the Friends of a Feather podcast. And I want to tell you a little bit about Dr. Cook, but welcome. I want to say welcome first, Dr. Cook. (laughs) Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for honoring me and caring about what I think. Oh, absolutely. I've been talking with Dr. Cook, y'all, and I've been telling her all of the things about how I love her books, I love her resources, and uh, hearing her on other podcasts. So I am thrilled to have her uh, with us on the podcast today. So let me tell y'all a little bit about Dr. Cook. Dr. Kathy Cook is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids. And I love that. She's based in Fort Worth, Texas, and she is a co-founder of Ignite the Family based in Alpharetta, Georgia. She has influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and children in 30 countries through keynote messages, seminars, chapels, and other events. And here's the intimidating part, y'all, if that wasn't already. Dr. Kathy earned a PhD in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University, and she was a tenured associate professor, second grade teacher, middle school coach, and school board member before becoming a full-time conference and keynote speaker. So I am thrilled to welcome her to the podcast. I wish I had her on speed dial. So let's jump into our conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So Dr. Cook, I have read your book. I've read a few books, but I've read your book, Start With the Heart. And it is such a resource for moms and dads today. And so, but I want to go back because uh, you mentioned that you are a chatty Kathy in your book. You also mentioned that on a few other podcast uh, episodes. And you said you were nicknamed that by your grandmother when you were three. So tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about that. Yeah, the joke is that I was talking in the womb, you know, but uh, I don't think that's possible. But yeah, you know, I just, uh, I expressed my enthusiasm for life with words. I I talked and I probably told stories and asked questions and was a chatty Kathy. So the name Kathy, of course, is perfect for that. Um, but yeah, and now look what I'm doing for, you know, earning a living as a speaker. Um, one of the things that I love to tell moms and dads is that childhood matters. You know, childhood shows up. It, it creates those adult years or causes those adult years. And, you know, if I would have, you maybe heard me say, um, Ren, that if I would have been raised, you know, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, shut up, would you go find something to do? I wouldn't be on this podcast with you today. That gift that God chose to give me would have been paralyzed out of me. And I would have been thinking that it was a bad thing, you know, to be a talker. And that would have been, I think, really sad because it would have denied what God intended when he chose to make me me. I have many adults as recently as just on Saturday say, I wish that I would have known that when I was a kid. I wish Mm -hmm. that my parents would have seen what was in me as good. And then they'll often say too, that I wish I would have been more self-controlled and, you know, cause it is, it is also our character, obviously that shows up there. 
Sure. Well, and I can relate to that because I remember in French class in high school, I think I, there was some duct tape that somebody had to put <laughs> on my mouth. So I can totally relate to that. But I want to read or read a quote that you said on a Focus on the Family podcast episode. And it struck me, and you just alluded to this, and it struck me so hard. And I I kind of got a little teary, Um, but you said, my parents chose and saw all the words in me as a strength to develop, not as a problem to eliminate. I love that. Yeah, it's it's huge, isn't it? Because we believe at Celebrate Kids that strengths can become weaknesses. We we say that anything well done, overdone is badly done, Hmm. or too much of a good thing is not a good thing. So I realized that those of us who are Chatty Cathy's, we need to listen and we need to respect others and give them a chance to talk. And we need to not always want to have the last word. And, you know, those of us who are Chatty Cathy's, we can gossip and tease and name call and we shouldn't. And this is where, you know, the training for righteousness and the boundaries come in. So my parents were, um, both my brother and myself, just very good parents, imperfect. They would want me to say that, but but really good <laughs> parents. Now, what you might not know, Ren, is that my grandfather was mayor of my city growing up. So I had in my family a profound role model where I watched a man give speeches and influence lives. I sat in the front row of the city chambers with a little corsage. And he's the one who said, all those words in you, use those only for good and never for evil, always to help and never to hurt. And so that's, that's, my, that's my background, you know, parents and grandparents and a brother who loved me. Now, when I was about 10, mom and dad enrolled me in children's theater and they said, go talk there a while. That's a true story. (laughs) Well, and I love that you know that they embrace that. And that's what we want to do as parents. You know, we want to embrace that. And But so many times it's hard when, you know, you see maybe they're getting corrected in school or something like that. And so you're like, ooh, I want to have the happy balance of that. But really encourage those strengths and not, um, not come down on them. Because like you said, you wouldn't be talking to me today if they had not encouraged you in that way. I think that's huge. Right. So to be role models, to be teachers, and to teach character. Um, kids mm-hmm. tell me on a regular basis, they'll say, you know, they they tell me what to do and they yell at me when I don't do it. I wish they would teach me how. I've actually had some kids word it that clearly. Um, they want to be taught. Kids don't want to be a problem. Most of them don't want to be, you know, a, a whiny mess. They, they want to please moms and dads if they respect and if the family unit is healthy. And so this is our role and our responsibility. So for us to say, hey, you're very good at this, but let's have some humility here, you know, and let's have, um, you know, the boundaries again of putting others first and not being selfish and self-centered. Those are things that we need to teach, no matter what the strength is. In my case, it's the chatty Cathiness. But, you know, people might be listening and their kids are movers, shakers, rattlers, and rollers. And they're just <laughs> done with turning chairs into rocking chairs. But guess what? That might be a gift your kid is going to use someday to be an engineer and invent something amazing if we don't squelch it. Isn't that funny? I remember I would always be having a microphone playing with friends and we would be acting out things. And I'm like, and here I am with a microphone. Who would have thought? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. But one thing you just said, and I think this is in your book, Start With The Heart, where you said to correct, but also to instruct. Mm-hmm. Was that mm-hmm. in there? It is. There's a whole chapter actually on the art of complimenting and correcting mm-hmm. and the difference between correcting and criticizing. And it really put it in my head because I'm all about the short quips that I can remember. Um, but to correct them, but then here, this is how you do it. This mm-hmm. is the right way to do it, mm-hmm. you know? 
That's good. Right. Yeah. Thanks. You know, to criticize, if I could just define them, because this is, I love words. And when I first saw this, I was really intrigued by this. The definition of criticize is to point out the wrong. The definition of correct is to put right the wrong. So if I correct, I I want to put it right. That means there has to be instruction. To criticize is to just point it out. So if we say to a child, um, you know, you you call that finished, or what's up with your attitude, or is that the right word you should have used? Those are all criticisms because all I've done is pointed out to the child that something's wrong, and that doesn't necessarily help them. Now it may, but it may not, and it's not respectful. So what we need to do is talk more about what we want than what we currently see. And we need to have language that is instructive. So do this versus don't do this, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. I, I Yes, that one was uh, underlined a whole bunch, <laughs> that chapter that you wrote. And if I could just say, Ren, I think that that's healthy in marriage. And I also think that it's healthy at the end of the day. A lot of women are very guilty of putting their head on the pillow in the dark and rehearsing the junk of the day. That doesn't help anybody. You know, a lot of people say, let me give you some constructive criticism. Let me bravely suggest there is no such thing. Mm. You know, if the definition of criticism is to point out a wrong then there's nothing constructive about that because it puts you in a position of power and authority and makes the person feel weak and isn't helpful. And actually for children, it might just cement in them that negative because we're not helping them overcome. So no, constructive criticism doesn't exist. You either, in my opinion, you either correct, which includes instruction, try it this way next time, let's do this, this will help you. Or we affirm, which is specific compliments, or we keep our mouths shut. In fact, I've been really brave, Ren, to suggest to moms and dads that until you can offer a solution for kids, keep your mouth shut. You know, mm-hmm. if you see them doing something wrong. Now, obviously, if they're going to hurt themselves or someone else, yell stop and don't sit there and go, now, how can I correct and not criticize? No, you know, <laughs> yell stop because yeah. you know, security and safety is really important. But, you know, if it's something about an attitude or sloppy handwriting or, you know, the, you don't feel like they stir the batter well in the bowl or whatever – Wait until you can offer them hope that they can change before you point out that you're disappointed because it doesn't help you in your interaction with your kiddos. Mm, That's good. That's good. Well, and uh, going back to that same interview that you had on Focus on the Family, I loved you said this quote. I like quoting you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you said, change what you can and leave the rest. And this is really talking about us as, as parents, as, uh, as women, as, um, you know, change. And you said, change your attitude toward the thing you cannot change because it honors God. Mm-hmm. And so growing, growing up, how did you change the attitude toward the thing you couldn't change? You are six foot one mm-hmm. and you have a deep voice. How could you walk through that and, and really, change your attitude toward that because we yes. all have stuff we don't like about ourselves. So how would, how would we do that? As no, we do. It's, it's, it is an important question because again, back to correct and criticize, you know, if I would have been raised, you know, you're too tall, you're too tall, you're too tall. Oh my goodness. That is a criticism that I have no power over except that then I begin to slouch and then my grandmother yells at me, you know, so, <laughs> you know, that's not good. So, you know, I was tall. I was, you know, the joke is I was long and then I became tall. But, um, you know, when I was already five or six years old, I was the tallest in the class and didn't fit in the desk very well and was clumsy 
because of how long my legs had quickly grown. And um, it was awkward. And and I praise God that I had a mom available to my heart cry, what I call the mm-hmm. heart cry, mm-hmm. a, a dad who I knew would be safe. This is what the parent, the parent must be available, fully present, and have a heart that will receive a child's heart. And I said, Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. That's a true story. And, and my, I knew instinctively that my mom was not going to say, well, get over it. You're going to be tall. Right. Because you know what I know? I wouldn't have said it to her if I would have felt dismissed in the moment of my pain. Right. So my mom, you know, listened to me and, and probably, I don't remember, you know, vividly, obviously it was a long time ago, but I imagine she shared stories with me about her height and how it was sometimes awkward because that kind of transparency goes a far way to, to helping kids cope. And then she told, you know, my dad, her husband, that night we have a daughter with a perceived problem that cannot be changed, her height, and a perceived problem that can be changed. She is kind of clumsy. What can we do? They problem solved. But one of the really cool things about my parents is that they problem solved without making me feel like the problem to be solved. Mm. Right? Wow. I mean, wrap your mind around that. Because if a child feels like they are the problem, again, I think, well, you, well, you tell me, Ren, I think you you walk away, right? You don't, you don't interact mm-hmm. with people if you feel like you're the problem. Mm-hmm. You certainly don't go to them for solutions if they've only caused you to feel like you're the one in the way, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. You walk away, you don't share, you don't open your heart to them. Right. So th- you know what my mom and dad did? They enrolled me in tap dance class. And, and I went, I mean, seriously, I went from being, you know, too tall to being what kids tell me now. They'll say, Dr. Kathy Lady, you're cool tall, which is just <laughs> the first time a little five or six-year-old boy told me that, whoa, there was still healing in my heart hmm. that could happen there. And I, But I became the center of the back row, a position of high honor that only the tallest girl was allowed to have. And my da- my dance mates, they didn't laugh at me. They thought it was cool that I was so tall, if you will. And so, again, my parents looked for a solution. Dancing helped me become coordinated. And, you know, being on the stage and, and being in theater helped me, you know, use my voice well and, and facial expression and body language. And that's where I was first on the stage. And now wow. where do I spend a lot of my time? On, on the, the stage. stage. Childhood matters. Parents who are alert to who their children are and who they think their children can be, oh, you change the world. Mm. Man, I just want to get teary because I feel like that is such a, a huge, huge, big, powerful statement. I mm. really do. And if we would see them that way, wow, just the difference in the the life changers that we can encourage along the way. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, so we've talked about Start With The Heart, uh, your book, and it's called How to Motivate Your Kids to Be Compassionate, Responsible, and Brave Even When You're Not Around. And I love it because I told you earlier, it's more of a reference book. Mm-hmm. I've read it and and dog-eared it and said, hmm, and start it and talk to you in it <laughs> with, my, <laughs> with my writing. But it is a reference book that I'm going to go back to because it was such an impactful uh, read for me. And so I want to go into that because you you talked about the five core needs mm-hmm. that we all have. And you mentioned that specifically in the area of kids. And you have a new book coming out, but um, in the Start with the Heart, you talked about making our children feel safe, feel secure, 
and how we can really talk to our kids about that and really explore and know what their core needs are. So can you tell us what are our five core needs and why security is the foundation for that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, My new book is called Five to Thrive, where I unpack the five core needs throughout the entire book. But we believe so firmly in the value of these that all of my other books have a whole chapter devoted to the core needs because when we help children meet their core needs in healthy ways, everything changes. If you can picture a pyramid, security is the firm foundation. It's trust. It's health. It's risk-taking. Risk-taking is essential for life. It's resiliency. If I fall down, I'm going to stand back up. And these are absolutely essential principles that our children must have. They must have people they can trust, and they must ultimately learn that they can trust themselves to improve, to be better, to be teachable, uh, to be honest, and to be all those things that we want them to be. And, And then identity, who am I? So security leads to identity. If I don't have anyone I can trust, I won't know who I am because I'll be listening to liars. I'll be listening to people with inconsistent messages. I'll be listening to the lyrics of a song or the dialogue on a TV sitcom I'm allowed to binge watch rather than listening to moms and dads and grandparents and siblings and educators and you know church leaders who are going to be able to tell me uh, the truth about who I am. And then belonging, who wants me? It's another core need. We all have a need to be wanted. We all have a hole in our heart. And that need is filled through who we are. If I know my strengths and my passions, my interests and my delights, I will know who to hang with. You know, I think you and I could be great friends because we have a lot in common. And so if you know your self-identity, then you can walk into those relationship areas and not feel unsure and not not have a, a loneliness that really overwhelms you. And then we get to purpose, why am I alive? So if you mm-hmm. think of the, per- the pyramid, security, who can I trust, leads to identity, who am I, which will facilitate my belonging, who wants me, which leads to purpose, why am I alive? We are alive to serve people. We are alive to love people. So people who are apathetic, people who um, don't engage with what's going on in the world are people who, in my opinion, don't have enough people they care about to invest in. Purpose, why am I alive, is essential. Without it, you might as well die. It is the leading cause of suicide, and I don't say that lightly. And purpose, why am I alive, leads to competence, what do I do well? So if you have kids, again, who are apathetic, young adults, you know, who aren't pressing in, aren't developing the rest of who they could be, it's a lack of purpose. Competence comes from why am I alive? A reason to, you know, if you're looking at your school options and you're looking at, you know, what, who is it that I want my kids to become and who am I allowing them to be influenced by, purpose, why am I alive, motivates all that we can become. And we're alive to glorify God. We're alive to leave the better the world a better place. We're alive to positively affect the future. And we do that through our belonging, our identity, and our security. Competence is individualized. I don't need your competence. You don't need mine. But we live in a Facebook comparisonitis, really dangerous culture where We dismiss what is good about us, our home, our family, our income, our job, our whatever, because somebody else has something that we've decided is better. But you know what? I don't need what they have. I'm not who they are. I'm probably rambling a little bit. No, I love it. They're all connected. Why does it start with security? Because who can I trust? If I don't have truth talkers and wisdom walkers and people who will build me up, I won't become who I could be. And I think that's a great tragedy because we were all created 
by an intentional God who knew what he was doing. Yeah. Well, and on that, the word you said intentional, I remember you said, I want us to live intentionally because God created us intentionally. Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, I I love to tell kids that knitting is a precise skill. You know, it says in, in Psalm 139, 13 and 14 that he knit us together in our mother's womb. Well, knitting is precise. You choose the size of the the uh, needles and the color of the yarn, and you decide in advance if you're making a blanket or a sweater or a scarf or a hat or an afghan. No, the, the knitter is thinking this through and has decided. And it says in Isaiah 64 that we, we were a lump of clay and he's our potter. And, and he sat there at the potter's wheel and he didn't just throw us together. He decided, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to give them a girl this time with long fingers so she can play the piano like her mom. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. God, God is good and he's a good creator. And for us to believe that can change everything about the questions we ask about ourselves and our faults and our challenges. And then we walk into that reality. Ephesians 2.10 says we're created in advance to do good works. I think discovering what those are and helping a child unwrap themselves, if I can put it this way, they're a gift. So if you can picture yourself unwrapping your child and discovering something more and more, I mean, what a joy for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it leads me to the next thing about competence, of, of having that competence and knowing what we are good at and how we can serve and the gifts and talents God has given us. Um, you also said, if you lie to yourself, you will never become who God intended for you to be. Don't ever let your weaknesses win. Lead with your strength. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Could we could we just preach that from the heavens, right? right. So um, you know from reading my book that spelling doesn't come easily to me. Um, now, I don't say spelling is hard. That's a lie. And I don't say I can't spell. That's a lie. But what I will own is that spelling does not come naturally to me. I want the rules to work. And they don't. You know, my <laughs> last name is spelled K-O-C-H. And we pronounce it Cook. That's ridiculous, you know? <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm the one that used to teach second graders that if there's an E at the end of the first, at the end of the word, it makes the first vowel long. Well, come is spelled C-O-M-E and comb with a long O has a B at the end of it that you can't even hear. I mean, that's ridiculous. And, you know, I could go on and on. I have tons of examples of the English language being ridiculous. But here's the thing. You know, I didn't say, well, I can't write a book because spelling is a challenge. No, you, you. I wrote a book because I had ideas that the Lord told me needed to be shared. And then you surround yourself with people who can help you. I use a thesaurus to help me spell the words I cannot find in a dictionary. Um, I, I use what's called a misspeller's dictionary. This is a true story. I have an earned PhD, but I have a misspeller's dictionary where you can look the word up the way you think it should be spelled and find it there. Like knowledge, who put a K in front of it? I mean, I obviously I know how to spell knowledge, but a kid doesn't. So they look under N-O-W and they don't find it there and then they get frustrated and then they stop writing, which is a real tragedy because maybe they, like me, had ideas that were worth sharing. And then I surround myself with people who are a blessing to me, who edit and proofread you know, my work, even though I'm the author and founder and president of my own company. No, you, your weakness is maybe the thorn in your side that creates humility and teamwork, but it ought not be the thing that stop you. And this is important for parents to understand too, that, you know, help children revel in their strength and use them only for good and never for evil and help them own their weakness. Because you know what, Ren, if I don't know what I'm challenged by, I might hurt others or myself. 
It's mm-hmm. good that I know spelling is a challenge because it causes me to be very alert to what I write. The wrong your, the wrong there, the wrong weather. The wrong, I mean, it's very easy. Or to miss a C, like the word science, there's a C after the S. The S was doing its job. That's ridiculous. And, <laughs> and again, I know how to spell that word, but there's many other words. Why do you double the final consonant there and you don't double it? I mean, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And so if you know that spelling doesn't come naturally, then you proofread really carefully. Or again, you invite someone. Or in the case of my work, I have a I'm self-correcting dictionary built into my word processing program with many more words in it than many people have because I know the words that don't stick in my head. And so I have those autocorrect and there's nothing wrong with that. I tell kids I haven't given up. I'm certainly willing to learn a new word, but it's not something that's going to consume me because if it consumes me, then my strengths might evaporate, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Boy, we're talking about a lot today. I know. I'm, I'm, I love it. I love it. Good. I love it so much. Well, and, you know, and that's what you knew your weakness in that, and you didn't let it win. No. You, you got creative and said, hey, how can we make my, my weakness? work for me, really. I mean, let's, let's, let's see a way around it. Right. And you know, even the word weakness um, is probably the wrong word, right? Mm. It's, it's just not a strength um, mm. there, because there's tons of words I obviously can spell, but what, what's interesting to, to let your listeners know, and this is, this is the absolute truth. When I was a young child, the thesaurus was one of my favorite books. Now children say to me, Oh, you should have had a better life. I mean, they're like, why? <laughs> like, They'll say, Dr. Kathy, didn't you know there were storybooks? I'm like, no, I've always enjoyed words. I remember Mm -hmm. thinking with my grandfather, my dad, if an elephant is big, a mouse is small. If the elephant becomes gigantic, the mouse is tiny or minuscule. Mm -hmm. I thought that was fascinating. I grew up playing, um, doing crossword puzzles. I mean, words were always something that was implanted within me of interest. And so the thesaurus... I still own behind me the thesaurus I used as a kid. And now I have many others that are on the bookshelf behind me because words fascinate me. And you can find in a thesaurus the words that you want to use that improve your writing, even though you naturally wouldn't have thought of them. And that's just a a great skill to have. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with using help. It's no different than a calculator to, you know, add up your, your math facts. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to ask you, you know, from your book, the other book I had read of yours, that is uh, eight smarts of Mm -hmm. your child. Are you word smart? I am actually word smart, even though, but I'm logic smart. So I want the rules to work. So the smarts, and I love that you've read that book as well. They always work together. I'm word smart. I'm a communicator. I'm a wordsmith. I can put a phrase together well so that it's memorable. And yet, because I'm very logic smart, and I like consistency, and I and I like routine, and I want things to be fair. Whoa! I'm like seriously, who put the K in front of knowledge? <laughs> right, um, that's where it comes in with the spelling. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and so sometimes your challenges are caused by a strength, like logic, smart, and sometimes they're caused by something that is weaker. And it could be that somebody is not as word smart, and so they can't remember the words the last time they saw them, and things like that. Mm, interesting. Okay, so our time is almost up, but I do want to ask you, and this is probably a super simple question, but how can we as moms and dads, as parents, really pour into our children that they were created for a purpose to the glory of God, for the glory of God? How can we do that? You know, I don't think that's a simple question at all. And I'm glad you asked it because I think it's one of your most important, powerful privileges. 
They're loaned to you. You know that. They're created in God's image, not yours. He's the one who put gifts in them for you to unwrap and discover. And I think you need to believe it, that there's purpose here, that they are going to leave the world a better place by their character, their choices, their decisions, their talents. Um, Look for their strengths and help them develop those strengths by role modeling and teaching and inviting the right people over for dinner that they can interact with so they can begin to have a vision. And then, and this might surprise you, Ren, I think moms and dads need to picture their kids growing up. You know, I, I love all the little Facebook uh, slides about my child turns turn two. Slow down. You know, I can't believe I have a teenager. Slow down. I mean, like, no, they grow up. I mean, <laughs> this is what happens, you know, and we grow up too. And so, I mean, I, I understand the heart of the mom. You're loving uh, yeah. the age, you know, when your son is eight, you're loving the age of the 12-year-old. Like, I get that and I respect that. But I think we need to picture them growing up. And who is it that I want to graduate out of my home? And who do I want to be friends with when he's 25? How do I want to describe that person? I think we need to have a vision for that because ultimately we partner with God. But, oh, my goodness, we are largely responsible for that. More so than culture and community, let's own it. There are Why are they our child? Why are we a family? We get to impart truth to this kid. And and I pray that this kid wants to be known as my daughter or my son, and it's going to be a difference. Oh, I could talk forever about that. <laughs> I love your question. Well, that's good. That's encouraging for us to know that there is, you know, I was even thinking about just with packing of the snack, you know, I was showing him and he's eight and I'm like, okay, why haven't we been doing this consistently? I'm like, get out five paper bags. Okay. Now draw, write your name, draw a picture. Now put in each, you know, in each one, it needs a napkin, it needs some goldfish, it needs, and, and how that they, they rise up to the occasion. They step up to it. They want you to train them. Uh, maybe yes. not all of them, but you know, like that's, you're, you're looking into the future when he is, you know, 20 and in college, <laughs> you know, you're kind of trying to look ahead. So that was, that's good. That's good. Amen. Well, I think independence does indicate we trust you and mm-hmm. security is the beginning of everything. Mm, and I good. love your word train because it's not telling and yelling. It's not even teaching. It's training. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're, that's what we're here for. That's we're good. supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. So where can people find you? And then we're going to do eat, read, love after that. So where can people find you on the internet? Celebratekids.com is our website, celebratekids.com. And we are on all of the typical social media sites as Celebrate Kids Incorporated. So Celebrate Kids Inc. And I would love for people to hang out with us. That'd be great. Yeah, awesome. And you have a podcast, which I have not tuned in, but I can't wait to do that. Please do. Um, It was called Celebrate Kids with Dr. Kathy. We renamed it recently to Encouraged with Celebrate Kids. And you can find it at all the typical podcast hosting sites. It's once a week. New episodes drop on Tuesdays. And I would love for you and your friends to hang out with us there. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, go grab her book is uh, Five to Thrive. But the other two books I mentioned, I will put all those in the show notes, but it's Start with the Heart. But we can find that on your website at Celebrate Kids, correct? Yes, for sure. Okay. All right. Let's jump to Eat, Read, Love. What are you eating, reading, and loving? Well, one of my favorite snacks is peanut M&Ms. In fact, immediately to my right is a large bowl full. I like the crunch and I like the taste. If you're going to eat, you got to know you're eating. So I'm a crunch person. Um, And then um, I read, you know, many, many things, but I'm currently reading a book called An Impossible Marriage by uh, Matt and Lori Krieg. 
And they're the the marriage initiative fellows here at Celebrate Kids when we do our marriage enrichment because the family starts with marriage. So it needs to be healthy. And they have a really, really powerful story of restoration and recovery. And um, currently it's brilliant. An Impossible Marriage is the name of that book. And what am I loving? Um, I color and my sister-in-law gave me a gift at Christmas that are just very small cards. So I can finish one, if you will, coloring project in an hour with brand new, fabulous colored pencils. And then I send those in the mail as thank you notes and just encouragement. So um, believe it or not, it's how I rest my brain because I don't, I'm almost always word and logic in my thinking and reasoning and writing and ministry. So when I color, I rest the part of my brain that has been busy all day and it's been really good for me. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. There's nothing like fresh colored pencils, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a big, like I've got a hundred different colors. It's amazing. Oh, that's fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been an honor for me to talk with you, Dr. Cook, and to hear your wisdom. And I love your books. And so I'm excited to get Five to Thrive. And I am enjoying Start with the Heart, of just having that as a resource. So I just appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hey, it's an honor. Thank you for wanting your listeners to know about my work and the ministry of Celebrate Kids. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Friends of a Feather podcast today. I pray you were encouraged. And if you were, I want to connect you with our Friends of a Feather community. So something new I'm starting in 2021 is every month I will be hosting a Friday Zoom meetup for all Friends of a Feather podcast listeners to connect and talk about the episodes from the month. I'm really excited, and I would love for you to join in. You can go to my website at renrobbins.com, and on the homepage there, you can find out all the information. It's a free group, but it's a really great way for us to all share about the episodes, share some takeaways, and have community together. So I will see you in that Zoom room the last Friday of every month. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.